0: Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. All right, happy Father's Day, everybody. How about a Father's Day blessing for everybody? Ooh, I got a shout out. Unlike most Sundays, my actual father is in the room. Do you guys know that? He's in the back, in the back, in the back, yeah, Dale. Uh, My dad is actually here in the room. Uh, so that makes me nervous. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. Good. Good. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Okay. Ready for a blessing? I bless you now in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive whatever guidance from God you need today. Whatever help from God you need, immediately. I bless you to have the perseverance to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're experiencing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and peace and love, Whatever is going on, and to feel those things today. In Jesus' name, may it be. All right, this is what we're going to talk about today. If you, want to rec- if, if you want to receive the promises of God all the way in your life, then you're going to need to trust God all the way. Let me, let me flip that around. If, if, we need to trust God all the way in order to receive the promises of God all the way. All right, that's what we're going to talk about today. In a few minutes, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 20, the moment where Moses breaks where he's told to speak to the rock, and instead he strikes the rock, and and water comes out. And the consequences of this disobedience means that Moses is not going to be able to go into the promised land. And instead, he is going to die in the wilderness. And so again, our lesson for today is basically we need to trust God all the way in order to receive the promises of God all the way. Now, before we dive into this, we need to have Flashback Sunday, where we're going to go back to uh, September 2021, where we talked about the split rock at Horeb. Here's a picture of that rock. If you were here, you probably remember this picture. You see, when God's people, when they escaped Egypt and they went through the Red Sea, they came after a little bit on their way to Mount Sinai, they came to a campsite called Rephidim, and they grumbled because there was no water. So Moses went to God, and and God sent Moses and the elders ahead of the nation to a particular rock. And that's important. It's not like, okay, we need water, Moses, okay, strike that rock there. And No, no, no. They, They left the group behind, and they went ahead to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, and they came to the rock, which it was a prominent rock, struck the rock, the rock split, and water came pouring out. Now, we know where the real Mount Sinai is, and we know that this is the water that the rock that poured out water, and you can look at the rock now, and you can see the clear evidences of water having gushed out of that crack, pouring down the rocks. They're filling a basin, not only filling a basin large enough for all the people, animal to drink, they had dug channels, ditches, to their campsite to get the water to their campsite. So yeah, so we talked about how Moses struck this rock and, and how water gushed out of it. If you're thinking, what the crazy? Yeah, it's just go back, 12th of September, you can, you can hear all about, all about that. The thing I want to note about that story, amongst other things, and it's parallel of what we're talking about today, is that Moses named this location Meribah. He named it Meribah because, because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord here saying, is the Lord really among us or not? So I just, that's, that just put that in your mind, ma- your mind, you know, previously at Rehope. This is one of those previously at Rehope moments to set us up for today. So that was then, that was, that was the story. Now, now our story today takes place about 40 years later. I want you to, that's an important jump. About 40 years later, where are we now? Here's the map. Here's the map that we've talked about. Where are we now? We are in a place called Kadesh. Where is Kadesh? Um, we don't know. There was, we talked about when the spies went in from Kadesh, They We put three circles on this map as potential proposed Kadesh locations, the red circle, the blue circle, and the green circle. Um, we also wondered if there are multiple Kadeshes. In, in the, in the in things that are called Kadesh. Why would we say there might be multiple Kadeshes? Well, because when the spies went from Kadesh, they went from the Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. Today, we're going to talk about the Kadesh that is labeled in the wilderness of Zin. Now, some people will say, well, the wilderness of Zin, it covers the wilderness of Paran. It might have. But they're just making that up. There's no, it's not like there's a sign that says, thus ends the wilderness of Zin. Uh, yeah, just you know, it fits with. We just know Kadesh needs to be in the wilderness of Zin. It's definitely where it's labeled on this map. Is it bigger? I don't know. Again, you know, uh, the people. You would ask the people who might live there today. Um, you know, is this is this Kadesh? You know, you know what those people are called, right? The Kadeshians. Yes. Happy Father's Day, everybody! Dad jokes today. Father's Day. Oh. Once a year, I get dad jokes. Okay, anyways, so we got, they're, they're with their Kadeshians here at Kadesh, and they're, they're camped out in one of these locations. Okay, now, what we know in this story might help us with what Kadesh were at. They're out of water. So that pretty much rules out the red one. The red one is the largest oasis in the wilderness. So... It would be, that would be like the last place to run out of water. And then the blue one as well, it's got a lot of water, and it's a perpetual water source. It'd be hard for the blue place to run out of water. It's, it seems many factors pointing that we might be around the green circle, wilderness of Zin, and the, least, the most likely place to potentially run out of water. But again, who knows? Who knows? I, there, could be, there could be multiple Kedushes. Kadish means holy place or sacred place. Um, just like, again, we're going to see in a moment that there's two Meribahs, Moses is going to name this place Meribah as well. He named the last split rock location more, more, uh, Meribah because they complained, and he's going to name this place Meribah. There's two Meribahs, maybe a couple holy places, sacred places, Um places called Kadesh. Where is it? That map is all to say we don't know. There are some thoughts. Very helpful, Brian. Thank you. Glad we showed up today. Let's read this story and see what takes place in Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse 1. So the entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. There was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron The people quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It's not a place of grain, figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Okay, four quick observations. Number one, I think it's worth noting that Miriam dies here. Does that set Moses in an in a emotional place to respond poorly in the events of this story? The grief that's there, I can't imagine it not having an impact, but that's, that's there in the, in the verses. Second thing, as we mentioned last week, this generation is blaming Moses for not being in the promised land yet. As if it's Moses' fault. It just seems horrific. I mean, Moses was there, and he's like, trust God. Like, he's not discouraging the people back then. The people are rebelling against God. It's not Moses' fault that they're not in the promised land. And again, like, the question that's hanging over this generation is, how do we receive the promises of God? We want the promises of God. We want the promised land, but we're not there yet, and Moses is at fault here. Third observation is, they named this place Evil Place, but it was Holy Place. It was Kadesh, Holy Place, Sacred Place, but they called it this Evil Place. Very easy, and a good warning for us, to not mislabel our our life and our realities based on our painful and disappointing experiences. My life is awful. (laughs) No, I've been saved by grace, chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. God is calling my life, like, you, you don't speak evil over what God has made holy. I have been bought at a price. I have been made holy. I don't could call my life awful. That would be awful, right? Okay, I'm sorry. I've got to get back to the notes here. Okay, so observation number three. Observation number four, and, and I said this before, that this takes place 40 years after Moses struck the rock at Mount Horeb, 40 years later. So this is a next-generation story. This is the next-generation story. An entire generation, the entire generation, which saw the miracles of Egypt, has basically passed away. Right from this moment and this story forward, we are rushing towards going to Jericho and going into the Promised Land. We are probably 36 months or less from Jericho and going into the land. Um, some would say much less. We are getting very close. This generation is about to go and receive the promises of God. But before they go, they have a trust test. They they have a, a trust test for their life. Every generation, every person has trust test moments. Because God wants you to know some stuff about him. What kind of questions does God want you to know? God wants you to know the answers to these questions. Is God still with us? Will He do miracles in our generation, or is it just in the past? Does God still help people like what I've read about in the past? Does God still do stuff like like He did in the days of old? Will God still provide for me spectacularly like He did with desperate people in ages past? Is God still paying attention, or or is that all all, all old stuff? And again, the great news is that the answers are always yes in every generation for those who actually trust Him, those who trust Him, and trusting is doing, trusting is doing. Doing. We'll get to that in a moment. But th- this generation, this new generation here what Moses is looking at, they are going to receive the promises of God that were given to the previous generation. I can't remember the last time I talked about this. Maybe, maybe you remember, maybe probably not. When was the last time I talked about next generation calling transference or next generation promises transference? Yeah. You're like, no, I don't even remember that. Even if you talked about it last week, I would have blocked that out. Uh, Next generation calling transfers, next generation promises transfers. Basically, that's when one person usually, although in in some cases the whole generations, they, they receive a calling from God. And they receive promises connected to that calling. But they don't trust God, and they don't do what God has called them to do, and so, they don't receive that promise from God, and instead, that calling and that promise gets transferred to the next generation, or to other people in the same generation, but, but often to the next generation. So, their calling and promises gets transferred. Is that biblical? Well, that's kind of what's going on here. That, that's, that's going, God's called the previous generation to trust God. He's called the previous generation to, to go in and take the land, but they didn't do it. Again, trust is doing, acting on trust. And so they didn't go in and take the land, and so a- as a result, their calling and their promises, receiving the land, get transferred to the next generation. And now the question is, will the next generation trust God and do it and receive the promises that were made to the previous generation? We, we, we see this in, this in this story very clearly. I see it in people's stories here um, all the time in, in this church. Uh, I remember I had this buddy who was in ministry, and he, he quit his job to go into ministry, and his dad started weeping, and happy Father's Day that person's dad. And I started weeping um, and because he quit his well-paying job to go into ministry, but not as you would guess. His father started weeping because his father said, hey, when I was younger, I felt like God was calling me to quit my job and to go into ministry, but I was too afraid and I didn't do it. And you didn't know the story. I never told you this story, but now here you are, a generation later, and you are quitting your job, same job actually, and you're taking the same risk, but you are quitting your job, and you are now going to receive the promises of God for, for your obedience step. It's just that calling passed from one generation, wouldn't do it, next generation steps into it. It doesn't even have to be in, in the same generation. There's a lot of confusion about the promises of God. I remember sitting here some years ago, sitting here, I was standing here, I was preaching right here in this place. Nah, that's not true. I was we used to have a pulpit here, I was preaching from there <clears throat> for preaching. And there was a lady sitting over here who was visiting for the first time. And as you hear the story, the only time, and you'll understand why. So she, she was visiting for the only time. And Afterwards, she was like, hey, pastor, I'm so upset at God. 30 years ago, God spoke to me about ministry, my ministry calling and how, and how you know, and, and he, she laid out this story about what, what God had called her to do in ministry. And, and in, instead of receiving this, this ministry, I, I've just had these 30 years, these three decades of misery and, and awfulness. And uh, I'm just kind of listening. This person was a talker, so I just was like, mm-hmm. And she just kept talking, telling her story. And sh- she then goes on to recount, like, her 30 years of turning against God and rebellion. And, I, you know, her story of leaving her husband and running off with somebody else and 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 not being at church for the last 30 years and hating God. And and I'm just kind of listening to this story, and I'm I'm, I'm at a pastoral stuck moment because I'm like... I want to be kind I want to be tactful i want to be i want to be you know just you know this person's a visitor right and and laying out the story they're so mad at God and, and and yet well, I tried my best to communicate something along the lines of well, you don't get to receive the promises of God unless you walk in obedience to God unless you trust God unless you actually walk uh, do what God's asking you to do instead of doing the opposite of what God's asking you to do morally in all aspects of your life. And I tried, she never came back. Uh, but but, but we, we get so confused because we can grab onto the, the the results and we can ignore the fact that well God's calling us to do stuff and to walk in obedience and to trust him. And in our generation, we 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 can get confused there. So we won't be confused in this church. Where there's going to be, because the Bible does talk, uh, give many examples of calling, transference, and uh, promises transference. Okay. So back to our Egypt, No, where are we at? Kadesh. Back to Kadesh here. The previous generation that didn't trust God all the way, and, and so uh, now there's a new generation which has the calling transferred to them, and we're going to see what they get to do. Now, they're at the same place that their, their previous generation was, no water. No water, and they need to learn something. They need to learn that God can be trusted, not just in general, but for them. They need to learn that God can be trusted, and they need to learn this if they're going to have the faith to, to, to do what God's calling them to do here. So what happens in this trust moment? Verse 6. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting. They fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. You, this is God's words, not Moses' words, you... Will bring water, you will bring out water for them from the rock and provide a drink for the community and their livestock. Okay, sounds pretty, of all the things that Moses has been asked to do, this is a pretty simple one. Take your staff, and now we know from verse 11 it's Moses' staff. Sometimes commentators will be like, oh, this is Aaron's staff, the budding staff. No, Aaron's there as well, but we're gonna find out that it's Moses' staff. Take your staff, speak to the rock. And as a result, you will bring water out of the rock. Now, again, this maybe this sounds like weird. Like, how could Moses bring water out of the rock? Like, isn't that like what God's going to be doing? Well, it depends on what's going on here. It's going to be going on. Well, it got, but all that to say is, I've seen people talk about how oh how offensive it is that Moses is claiming credit for bringing water out of the rock. God doesn't seem offended by that bit. In fact, that's what he says. You will do it. It will be you. But again, we'll look at that in a moment. Let's keep reading verse 9. So what happens? So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, so that abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Okay, so take the staff, tick. Speak I say he spoke, but speak to the rock. I spoke to the people, okay? And then he strikes the rock twice, and it worked. Water came gushing out. Now, two whys jump out at me at this moment. Why number one, why did he strike the rock and not speak to it? Why number two, why did it work? Why did it, why did it work with water coming out? And again, God and Moses are both clear. Moses is bringing the water out. What's, what's, going, on, what's going on here? Okay, so I, some of the, the normal whys that people will give to this is, this is what Moses did before. You've probably heard that before. Split rock at Horeb. He struck the rock before and it worked, so he was having a bad time. Is, you know, so he just is like, well, this worked before, so I'm going to strike the rock and, and water will come out of it. I don't think that's what's actually happening here. Uh, in fact, I don't think it's what's happening at all. Let me, let me <coughs> tell you something that uh, the Bedouins know. During my sabbatical, I had the joy of taking a three-week geology class. Rocks, dirt, soil, all Israel-focused, and I've got to, w- before you make fun of me, check out this awesome map. Yes, soil types, rock types, soil types, I mean, who's cool now, right? <laughs> yeah, so now you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's, that's not that big of a deal. On this map, I uh, put the same three circles as, as your possible Kadesh locations, And I wanted to highlight a certain kind of soil type that's important to the Bedouins. It's called Eocene. Eocene soil type. It's kind of outlined in purple around there. Uh, It's a a very unique water type, or a a soil type, rock type. And what the Bedouins know is that when when the rains come, and again, they hardly ever come, but when they do come, they can seep into this soil type, this Eocene rock, And they can go down into the rock and form hidden pools of water inside the rock. So, like a picture like this. So, this is basically what we're talking about. But you have to pretend that that's not an American house. It's not in America. There's no trees. There's no well. There's no grass. There's no landscaping. There's no lawn. There's no... I guess that's kind of a really impressive looking stone pavement driveway or something. Anyways... So ignoring all of that, let's, let's change the picture. Let, let, me, let me do it edit. There we go. So, so you've got Moses and Aaron there. Oh, you ignore the soil type as well because we're an Eocene. That's clearly Americanine. Um, so you've got, you've got Moses there. You've got Aaron with his budding staff. Now, it should be white. I know almond flowers are white, but white doesn't show up on that background. Just roll with me, guys. Stop being so picky. Here you got Moses and Aaron there, and you got the rock there, and you've got in this Eocene soil, the water pools over the centuries and behind. What the Bedouins know is that they can look at a rock, and they can see that it ha- if it has a mineral cap, where when the water is getting to, to the edge and ready to come out, it forms a mineral cap, which I couldn't tell you what it looked like. Um, most people can't tell you what it looks like, but the Bedouins know. And the Bedouins know that if you see that mineral cap, you can strike it and water will come out. They do that to this day. In fact, if you search for different ways that Bedouins find water, you'll, you'll see the mineral cap striking. You'll see they turn rocks upside down in the morning so that dew collects on top of them. They, they'll take dew off the, any blades of, of growth. You know, like, like they have lots of ways that they come up with water. This is one of the ways. Most people don't know what it looks like. If you have been a slave in Egypt, you don't know what this looks like, what a mineral cap looks like. But maybe if you've been a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years, you do know some Bedouin things, and you do know about this, this mineral mineral cap uh, situation. Again, this is a very different area than where the split rock in Horeb takes place. We can't just think rock, rock, strike, rock, strike, rock, same, same. Where there's different things going, going on here. And maybe you like the split rocket Horeb imagery where strike this huge rock and it splits and water comes flying out of it. And, fill, you know. and, and this seems a little bit anticlimactic to you. You're like, oh, there's hidden water behind there. And, and, the, and if you just strike it, water will go. And again, Moses is told, you will bring water out. You strike, you, you, you will bring water out of this rock. Um, <clears throat> I want to say something about God. Because I think this is magnificent about God. In fact, actually really comforting and and healthy. Again, maybe you like the idea of the super miracles out of nothingness sort of thing. But what I like about God is I like to know that God might have answers to tomorrow's problems set in place hundreds of years ago. Even thousands of years ago. I like to know that God is so aware of the challenges of our lives, of every person's life, that he is able to prepare in advance the the help, the the miracle, the the need, the solutions before they're even born, before they even know that there's going to be a need, so that it's already at the right place at the right time, perfectly perfect, for, for when, when the time is needed. I lo- like, there's no one like God that way. There's no one like God who can know exactly what is needed by all these people centuries beforehand, and start working on this and, and, and getting, getting the water ready for the right moment. There's no one like God when it comes to his provision and his able to, uh, ability to, to have things exactly what we need at the exact right moments. And you think about the command, speak to the rock, I'm starting to think to myself, is it so, could it be so perfectly timed of God that that mineral cap is ready to burst at a word? Just proving to the minutia how exactly God was prepared for the exact time and the exact moment. Anyways, I'm pretty sure when Moses got there, he saw what was going on. Moses, go over there, go to that rock. Oh, I know what's going on here. Rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Bam. And it worked. And it worked. Now, this messes up God's plan, or God's, God's uh, lesson plan for, for the nation. The lesson was supposed to be God can be trusted. God is paying attention. There's no one like God to have this prepared for them. The lesson is supposed to be that you can trust God with, with your crisis, with, with everything, with your provision, with, with everything that he is aware and that he has long known what you don't even know. You don't even know about that challenge that's coming up. And yet, not only does God know, he's got it sorted before you even are born, right? It was supposed to be that how, how amazing God is that he can be trusted, but it turns out to be like a, a lesson about how Moses can be trusted as a competent leader. Must I bring this water out for you? Ignoring the fact that God put this in place centuries ago. Moses can be trusted, and this causes a big problem. And so that's why we read this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and He demonstrated His holiness to them. So this story is a trust issue story. That's why I've kept coming back to this word trust. You did not trust me, God says to to Moses. Uh, This is about trusting God. And secondly, God was trying to demonstrate His holiness, now if that word you're reading this sentence like what like god's holiness, think about holiness in its aspect of otherness, set apartness, uniqueness, one of a kindness this god, god was trying to God was trying to demonstrate how there was no one like him, his uniqueness his his set apart his complete otherness without any other who could even be anywhere like god that's what he was trying to Establish with the people a trust in that there's no one like God. His pre-plannings, his perfect timings, his perfect provision. Well, as a result of this mistake, Moses is no longer going to be able to lead the people into the promised land. And maybe you're like, wow, that seems a little uh, extreme in light of all that Moses has done. But it, it makes sense when you start to realize the lesson that the people needed to learn And how Moses is now getting in the way of this important lesson. God's lesson is, trust me. But Moses made this lesson, you can trust me as your leader. But the people needed to know before they could go into the land that God can be trusted, okay? Moses, you're taking a little bit, you're taking too much, you got in the way of this lesson here. So now you're not going to lead the people into the land. So they can't trust you anymore. They're going to have to trust me and that's what's important that they trust me to take them into the land not not trust not trust you every generation you need to know god you god can be trusted you can trust god with your challenges with with your crises with everything that you are facing, and you can trust that He has potentially hidden, well in advance, exactly what you need. It doesn't matter if you can see it coming or not; He has it set up perfectly. Your provision, if you will trust Him, if you will do what He says, you will find God's promises of provision and help right there for you. Um, Paul writes this. He, he's he's writing about Jesus, but he's quoting from Isaiah in the Old Testament. And, he, and he, talks, he says, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, that kind of stuff, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now again, that's about Jesus, not, not even having an idea of, of how, how prepared, um, and what God had done with Jesus in preparing that situation, but it's also true with so much of life, that God is able to prepare what we can't even conceive of for those who love him and, and, and trust him. You need to trust God, though, all the way to receive the promises of God all the way. Here's the challenge. The challenge is, oh, it's an, it's an adventure challenge. It's a fun challenge. It's an activity. It's an activity challenge. Woo, woo, woo. I want you to write down a situation that you're struggling with, uh, struggling to trust God with on a piece of paper. Step one, here's the challenge. Then put the paper in the sink and turn on the tap. I see what we're doing here. As the water pours over your situation, think about the water flowing from the rock and pray a trust prayer. You're like, well, this is hokey. No, this is called learning. This is called learning. Connect it. The same God who can provide water out of the rock can provide for your circumstances. Let it pour and our trust prayer example, Father, in Jesus' name, I choose to trust you with this situation. There is no one like you. And I trust that you have solutions to my challenges that I don't see yet, but I will see in time. Help me. I trust you. Help me. And usually my prayers linger there. I trust you. Help me. I trust you. Help me. I trust you. You know, but you can use your own words. Uh, something along that. That's, that's the challenge for today. Now, I'm not saying that this is easy to trust, God, because we're called to trust him when we don't see, but that's the point. That's, that's what makes it trust. Let me pray for us. God, we, we often uh, think of Psalm 121 in life where, we, where we, we look around and we have no idea where our help is going to come from. And we lift our eyes up and we say, where will my help come from? And our only answer is my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The one who will not let our foot slip. The one who neither slumbers or sleeps. God, we we look to you and we, we say, be all that you are to us now. Be the one who is paying attention and and reveal your provision, reveal your help, reveal your solutions to our situations. Yeah. And yet now in the moment, we trust you and we choose to walk in obedience even though we don't know exactly how this next step is going to land. We choose to trust you. Help us. Maybe some of you are, are thinking, you know, I've never even trusted God. I've never trusted God in my life. I've never trusted Jesus with my salvation or, or to become a Christian. And I, I suggest, if, if that's you, trusting Jesus today with the entirety of your life. And I suggest praying something like this. God, I choose on this day to trust Jesus with my life to trust him in the good times and in the bad times whether i'm sickly or healthy whether i'm rich or poor how to trust jesus now forgive me help me and fill me with your holy spirit in jesus name amen